0: Good evening to all of you. We're glad you're with us this evening, and hope you've had a good day as our week quickly winds to a close. I just uh, have thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity to get to be with you this week. Look forward to tonight and tomorrow night, and then our time together will end. Thank you for being here tonight. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Joshua, Joshua chapter fourteen. Joshua. Chapter 14. One of the greatest stories of the Old Testament. One of the greatest characters of the the Old Testament. One of my favorites of all time is a man by the name of Caleb. And Caleb makes some infrequent appearances over a span of about 40 plus years. Of Old Testament Hebrew history. The first time we read about Caleb was when Moses chose 12 leaders and gave to them the responsibility of exploring the land of Canaan in anticipation of the Hebrew invasion. You can read about that in Numbers chapters 13 and 14. And while the the message, the conclusions of the 10 were very faithless and very gloomy. You remember they said, we are but grasshoppers in their sight. The report of the two, Joshua and Caleb, were the opposite. They were faithful. They were filled with optimism. And they drew on the power and the promises of God. And they said, in essence, they may outsize us, but wait till they see the size of our God. But sadly, you know the rest of the story. Forty years of walking. Forty years of wandering. Forty years of burying. Somebody said, what did they do for 40 years? Well, I'll tell you what they did for 40 years. They went to funerals. That's what they did for 40 years. And for some 40 years, Caleb disappeared. And then in the 14th chapter of Joshua, he surfaces again. But by the time he surfaces, he's 85 years old. But at age 85, Caleb is just as feisty and he is just as faith-driven as he was years before. And in the 14th chapter of Joshua, he gives one of the most passionate emotional speeches that you will ever read in the Bible. So start reading with me in Joshua chapter 14 and beginning in verse 6. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunah, the Kenazite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea." I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as He spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness and now behold, I am 85 years old today. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now. For war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there, the giants. With great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. So Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, until this day because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Three times in these verses. Verse 8, verse 9, and verse 14. You find the same phrase. He followed the Lord his God fully. The New International Version uses the word wholeheartedly. I like that. Wholeheartedly. This man, Caleb, lived in the divine presence. Here was a man who knew God. And he built his life around the promises of God. Here was a man of toughness and enthusiasm and passion and enormous faith in God. None of that was accidental. Because it came, ladies and gentlemen, the result of a life that I call a person who lives at soul level. He lived at God level. And Caleb type people are rare We live in what a writer called recently that I read, the graying of America. There's a lot of older people in their 70s and 80s and 90s and beyond. Old age in our culture is not uncommon at all. But I'll tell you what is uncommon. What is uncommon are older men and older women with Caleb-like qualities. Because Caleb-like people are rare. You remember when you were young, people would always ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? I tell you what I want to be when I grow up. Like 85? I want to be like Caleb. I don't want to be like some older people I see sometimes. Sometimes older people can drift into self-centeredness and childishness, and we've all seen that. Sometimes older people can think the world now revolves around them. Sometimes older people can become very impatient with younger people. Sometimes older people can become negative to new ideas. Sometimes older people can become irritable and crusty and mean and complaining and criticizing, and nothing is ever right. But not Caleb-type people. This man's life is inspiring all the way to the end. Here was a man who transcended the age gap, the generation gap. I don't care if he was 85 years old. He's the kind of man I'd want to sit down with and spend a day with and talk with. He's the kind of man I want to follow. He's the kind of man that will motivate you and me both to live a higher, nobler life. And he's not the only one. The Bible gives special attention at times to different ones to show us that the best years of your life can be the last years of your life. Enoch. Who walked with God? Abraham, do you know what it says of Abraham, he died a ripe old age, satisfied with life. Moses was 80 years old when God sent him down into the land of Egypt. Joshua was like Joshua and Caleb were peers, so Joshua would be another one. So I tell you what I did one day. I sat down and I, taught, I, I read this section about Caleb. And I thought to myself, what are the qualities? What are the qualities of a Caleb-like person? And I came up with ten. So I leave you tonight with ten qualities of the Caleb man. So if you've got got somewhere to make notes, you're going to have to 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 write one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now, I know what you're thinking. If he spends five minutes on each one of these, We're going to be here an hour. No. Right, fast. Ten qualities of the Caleb man. In other words, what are the qualities that we admire in older people? How can an older people be older person be a great encouragement? Number one, the Caleb man will be a man of gratitude. The Caleb man will be a man of gratitude. Now, the reason I say that is because sometimes gratitude takes a licking in the aging process. Rather than being grateful and being gracious, some people adopt an attitude of begrudging entitlement, and they can become very demanding, and they can forget to show appreciation, and Common, simple words like thank you are no longer in their vocabulary. I don't want to be an older person like that. I want to be an older person whose conversation and whose communication is marked with appreciation for what God has given. You know, I think about Luke 17 and verse 11 where Jesus heals those ten men and only one comes back and Jesus said, where are the nine? So when we talk about ingratitude, we're not talking about something that's new. We're also not talking about something that's just pertinent to one age group either. And so from the immature child who demands that the parents wait on him or her constantly or the immature teenager who thinks the world revolves around them or sometimes to the immature older person who forgets to be thankful and who forgets to be gracious. Ingratitude is a problem. But when I think about older people I admire, When I think about older people, I respect every one of them. I can't think of an exception. Every one of them has an attitude of gratitude. They never stop saying thank you. Thank you to God for the health they do have. Thank you to God for the opportunities they have. Thank you to God for the blessings they have. Thank you to a spouse for their love and companionship and care. Thank you to friends for their encouragement. Thank you to the younger people who they see trying very, very hard. When somebody does something for you, do you have an attitude of entitlement or do you have an attitude of appreciation? Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18, In everything give thanks. I think that's true at every Secondly, the Caleb man. The Caleb man is interested in the world of the younger generation. Let me say that again. The Caleb man is interested in the world of the younger generation. Now, those who are younger need to understand that getting older is not always easy. But one of the temptations that comes with age is the natural tendency sometimes to drift into jealousy or to minimize the accomplishments of the younger generation or to constantly, to constantly compare and say things like, well, back in the day, you know, you know that's in the Bible? Back in the day? In Ezra the third chapter, in Ezra chapter 3 in verse 11 and verse 12, when they were laying the foundation for the new temple. We can go back and talk about the Solomonic temple and how grand and glorious it had been in its day. But in Ezra chapter 3 and verse 11, as they laid the foundation for the new temple, the Bible says they sang, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, for He is good, for His loving kindness is upon Israel forever. And all of the people shouted with a great shout, when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now verse 12. Yet many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' households, the old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes. The younger people are all excited about the the, the, the new temple that's going to be built and the older people are all talking about, well, back in the day, you know, the first temple was a lot bigger than this. And they discouraged the younger people. And I'll show you a, 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 another passage. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 3 over in the Minor Prophets. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 3. Because Haggai, the prophet Haggai, says exactly that. You've discouraged the younger ones. Haggai 2 verse 3, Who is left among you who saw the temple in the former glory? How do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? The older people were discouraging the younger people. Because the new temple wasn't going to be as big and as glorious as the one they remembered. Back in the day, By the way, there was some pretty neat stuff back in the day. Let's just say it like it is. I think historically, one of the most ideal eras of history, in our country at least, was in the post-war 50s and maybe early 60s. And some of you can remember that time when nobody had to lock a door. Anybody remember that? Nobody locked a door at all. Life was very, very simple. And after Sunday school, that's what everybody called it back then, after Sunday school, all the men disappeared. You know where the men were after Sunday school? Out on the front porch smoking cigarettes, where they were. But nobody knew any better. Nobody knew any different. It was a very happy time. It was like we were naive, but nobody really cared. And then I think about that in relation to the kids today. My kids today, you know, they would come home and tell me, well, we had a fire drill today. And I'm thinking to myself, big deal. So you had a fire drill. We had atomic bomb drills back in the day, you know. You know why the Russians never invaded us? Because they knew it was futile. Because they knew that every American child was protected by that wooden desk. And so we would have atomic bomb drills, we'd hide under those wooden desks, so the Russians never showed up. You know. That's why, back in the day. I have a friend of mine who has a 57 Chevy over in Southern Virginia, and it's a show car. And I was over there with him one day, and he said, let's, let's get the car out. Let's ride to Mount Airy, you know, where uh, Andy Griffith is from and all of that. Let's go up to Mount Airy, North Carolina. Let's take a day trip up there in the 57. So we drove up there in the 57. It was, it was great, but it doesn't have any seat belts, and it feels really odd going down the road 70 miles an hour with no seat belts. and it didn't have any air conditioning either. Oh, well, it did, 360 air, you know, you put all the windows down, remember that? No power steering, but it was kind of fun. There's a lot of fun things about the good old days. But there's a lot of fun things about these days. These days are not all that bad either. I don't know about you, but I kind of like air conditioning. I'm kind of a fan of indoor plumbing. And I really like the new communications that we have today that we all kind of get used to from time to time. Remember watching the Jetsons years ago and you see all this stuff and you're thinking, "Yeah, yeah, that'd be great to be able to actually look on something and see somebody instead of just talking on the phone and you're seeing their face. Yeah, right. Well, welcome to the world of the Jetsons. It's not a bad thing. Here's the point. The Caleb man doesn't resent the times that he lives in today, or he doesn't resent the youth of today. The Caleb man doesn't resent when the baton of leadership is passed from one to the next generation. In fact, the Caleb man does everything he can to encourage the younger generation and to make the younger ones successful, and he praises them as often as he can. So I ask you tonight, my older friends, is one of your goals... Every time you walk in these doors, is one of your goals to encourage somebody? Sometimes older people have the idea that says, well, I'm, I, I just don't have anything I can contribute anymore. Wrong. You can encourage. You know, there's some Wednesday nights, especially during the winter, when it gets dark. We're on the, we're on the fringe. We're in the same time zone you are, but we're on the eastern fringe of it. And on a cloudy December day, it's dark at 4.30 in the afternoon. And it's depressing. And it's cold. And it's rainy. And there are some Wednesday nights. That if I just can, Confession's good for the soul. There are some Wednesday nights I'd just as soon stay in my lazy boy, crank it in third gear, and just sit there by the fire. But I go. And it's amazing every time I go. I find somebody that I can encourage. And it's amazing, somebody always encourages me. And I can say without exception on the drive home, I'm sure glad I went. There's always someone you can encourage. Always. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And one of the things that all of us can give is encouragement. Number three, the Caleb man keeps his mind focused and sharp. I've noticed a similarity in the older people that I admire. All of them know what's going on today. They keep up with stuff. They read. They think broadly. They think deeply. They're not afraid to share new ideas and new challenges. Caleb is 85 years old, and he's willing to take on the new challenge. My grandmother lived to see the 21st century. She was one of these people that always, every time we'd go see her, she was always going to die. We'd never see her again. She never would buy green bananas, because she said, I, you know, I might die before they ripen. Anyway, but it, but, it, but in her older years, in her ni- she was in her 90s, and... Uh, she would have the young people from church over into her home every Sunday night for pizza. Now, the kids would have to bring the pizza. But she provided the place. And every Sunday night, she became nana to all of those young people. And I said to her one time, I said, nana, I said, why don't you run around with people your own age? She said, son, they're all in the cemetery. And she said, the ones that aren't should be. She said, I like hanging around the younger people. They encourage me, and I hope to encourage them, and she did. And her mind was just as keen and sharp and focused as it could be. That's what I'm talking about. Number four, the Caleb man thinks big. Some people get it. They're able to see the big picture. They look at life from the bigger point of view. In fact, with older people, years of experience has taught them a valuable life lesson, and that is to resist panic when sudden events grab the headlines and everybody else goes into chicken little mode. The older person who's been around a while understands God's on the throne. God's on the throne. Psalm 37 and verse 25. I have been young and now I am old. But I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. They are big thinkers because they have a big God. And that's Caleb. Number five, the Caleb man never quits. The Caleb man never quits. I could just imagine if this were today. And somebody says to 85-year-old Caleb, Hey, Caleb, let's, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, oh, we're finally going to go invade Can- Canaan. Come on. And Caleb says... No, not me. You fellas go on. I'm going to go down here to Cracker Barrel, sit in one of those rocking chairs, and just rock for a little while. Not Caleb. Caleb's not going to do that. Now, as you grow older, you've got to slow down. You walk away maybe from a, from, from a job, you retire from that, but retire from life? No way. I think every one of us are on a mission, a God mission, to live our lives as long as He allows us to live, to glorify Him in everything we do at whatever age we are. First Corinthians 10.31 Whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That knows no age limit. None. You don't retire from that. You don't retire from life. As long as you and I are breathing in God's oxygen and taking up space on God's planet... There must be something He has that He wants us to do today. Now, when He changes His mind, He'll let you know. And He'll take you home. But until then, live to glorify Him. Number six. The Caleb man gives back more than he takes. In the twelfth chapter of the book of Mark, Jesus observed this widow who sacrificed and gave when others were just giving out of their surplus. By the way, the disciples never noticed her. And I'm guessing if you and I had been there, we probably wouldn't notice her either. But Jesus did. And what Jesus noticed about her was she was a giver. One writer said, Some people are stagnant ponds. They merely accumulate for themselves. Others are rivers through whom the blessings flow This lady was a river. She understood the freshness is in the flow. She couldn't give much. But Jesus didn't care about the amount anyway. But he saw the sacrifice and he saw her heart. And she gave. I tell you, selfless older people like her are invaluable to every congregation. It may not be income production anymore, but there is value production. And I I charge you, I challenge you, if you're an older person, I challenge you to add value to this church. Number seven, the Caleb man is compassionate. The Caleb man is compassionate. There was a survey that, and I don't know where I read this, but it was a survey that asked the question, who has been the most influential person in your life? And the leading answers came back, my grandfather, my grandmother. And that may not be true in all cases, but I bet you it's true in many of them. Sometimes moms and dads get preoccupied, we get busy, but not grandparents. Grandparents can offer compassion and kindness and patience sometimes that nobody else can. And those are the kinds of people you never forget. Jesus had compassion. And He implored us to have compassion. And it knows no age limit. Number eight, the Caleb man loves his wife passionately. The Caleb man loves his wife passionately. There's not anything as touching as seeing an older couple in the sunset of life, still very much in love. Married 40, 50, 60, 70 years, still affectionate, still caring, still mindful of the little things that make a big difference. I came across this story. This granddaughter was interviewing her grandfather. And this is the question she asked. She said, Grandfather, do you ever have conflicts after 60 years of marriage? Of course we do, he said. Why, just this morning, E, that's what he called his wife, he just called her by the letter E. Why, just this morning, E was driving the car, and she did not make a full stop at the stop sign. And I said, E, later on tonight, when there's a good time, I've got a thought I'd like to share with you. He went on. Now, you see, I learned a long time ago that E is very sensitive about criticism because she had a father who could be mean. And he often said he often badly hurt her feelings when she was a child. So I have to be very, very careful not to say things that will remind her of those moments. And the best thing to do is wait until she can handle the criticism. The granddaughter said, are you telling me that there are still sensitivities that can be hurt that go back 80 years? Absolutely, the grandfather said. Some of these things are never forgotten. And if you're going to love each other in your old age, they can never be overlooked. You've got to be just as careful not to hurt each other in your old age as you were in your young age. So tonight, after we've had a good meal... We're sitting on the porch watching the sun go down with our glass of iced tea, and we're happy with each other. I will look at her and say, E, I love you so very much, but this morning when you were driving the car, you blew it. (laughs) I love that. I love that. The Caleb man loves his wife passionately. Number nine, the Caleb man knows God personally. I was with a young man one time, and an older man in the congregation had led the prayer, and we were talking afterwards, and the younger man said, he said, you know, I love when he prays. It's like he knows God personally. Well, maybe there's a reason because he does you know when i read in the bible in luke chapter 2 when god got ready to introduce his son to the world he used an older man and an older woman to do so an older man named simeon and an older woman named anna we're not sure how old simeon was we know how old anna was she was 84 And of all of the people God could have used to introduce His Son to the world, why did He choose them? Because sometimes it takes older people to see what the rest of us are too busy to notice. The Caleb man knows God personally. And finally, number 10, the Caleb man isn't afraid to die. The Caleb man, the Simeon man, the Anna woman... They understand. And speaking of Simeon, I want to go back and read in Luke chapter 2, beginning verse 25, talks about Simeon. We'll read verse 27 through 32. Luke chapter 2, 27 through 32. It says, He came in the spirit into the temple. Simeon did, this older man. And when the parents, that would be Joseph and Mary, brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he, Simeon, took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. My eyes have seen your salvation. Now I can depart in peace. The salvation, verse 31, which you have prepared in the presence of all of the peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. I just have a mental picture of this older man, and he's holding that baby in his arms. He's holding that baby. And he says, now God, I can go home. I can go home. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 11, Even if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. And I think, I take that literally, to the very end. You think there's something we can learn about life from people like Caleb? We better. I have no idea how tall Caleb was. Don't know. Did Caleb have a sense of humor? Don't know about that either. What kind of jobs did he do? What was he good at? I don't know. Was Caleb athletic? I don't know. Did he play an instrument? I have no idea. I know this. He served God wholeheartedly. I know that. And I know that when he was 85, he was still alert. He was full of faith. He was full of vision. And he's ready to tackle on the new challenges. Give me that hill country. And the last thing we see of Caleb is he's walking off, headed to that hill country to take on the giants. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be. I want to be like Caleb. That's exactly who I want to be. I was driving on Interstate 10, and I think I was headed, I think this particular day I was headed west towards Houston. And it was the middle of the afternoon, and I stopped at Lafayette, Louisiana, on I-10. In the middle of the afternoon, I stopped at a Chick-fil-A. It was kind of just that time when you've been driving a while and you just needed a good cup of coffee. And so I stopped at Chick-fil-A to get me a cup of coffee. And I I walked in and I go in and I tell the young man who waited on me, I just just want a coffee. He said, my pleasure. And he walks off and the minute he comes back, he hands me the cup. And I've got a couple bucks in my hand. I started to hand it to him. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I don't charge for older people coffee. You know, I think management probably would have rather him talk senior coffee. I don't know. But he said, I don't charge for older people coffee. There are perks, as you know. There are some perks. I appreciate the way you listen tonight. Thank you. I hope something's been said that's been helpful. You see, we got through ten things pretty quickly, didn't we? We sing the song of encouragement. Kendall's going to lead us in this song. If you owe a duty to God, you're not a Christian, you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, buried in baptism for the remission of your sins, raised to walk a new life, that can be taken care of tonight. It can be taken care of. If we can help you in any way, won't you come, always tendons.
1: Satsang